2: And welcome to another episode of the Needless Things Podcast. I'm your host, Phantom Troublemaker. And if you've just sort of come across the show on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever, uh, you can go to NeedlessThingsSite.com and find notes for the show as well as five posts a week, almost every week, from myself and various other writers about toys, movies, music, pop culture, All kinds of good dorky stuff, uh, which is what we're going to be covering on the podcast. Today, I want to start off by saying that Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is just not doing it for me. I I hate to say that because I I really am rooting for the show, but it's so uneven. You have moments of greatness, which usually feature Kyle MacLachlan or uh Melinda May Ming-Na Wen and then you have stretches of I just don't care and I don't care about the drama and intrigue you know what it's another faction war it's the same reason I stopped reading Green Lantern comics is because I'm so damn sick of the house divided storyline I'm over it guys come up with something else Uh, the the whole drama within the ranks is so played out at this point i'm really really over it Uh, agents of shield was cool when it was shield yeah shield got decimated but it was still that core group working together to fight evil i'm so sick of the evil is part of us and even when they do loop it back around and they end up having to work together and whatever else i just i'm over that crap man I just want to see good storytelling that doesn't rely on who's the bad guy, who really has the evil intentions. I'm tired of that shit. And Green Lantern ran it into the damn ground, or into the cosmos, or the whatever, but uh, just with, with... core after core dividing and warring and splitting and fighting and now agents of shield has done the same thing and i'm not saying all the stuff with the not in humans is really cool i'm enjoying that storyline i still like colson as a character i still like melinda may a lot she's the best thing on the show and uh crazy grant crazy grant's fun but crazy grant should have been the extent like The Hydra storyline was done well to the extent, like, that was the point, really, of everything up to that point. So once that happened, you know, that I almost don't count as one of those faction things. But then you get, oh, there's two shields now. And they're, uh, come on. Come up with something new. Uh, So I'm tired of that. But then I watched the most recent episode, which is the one about Melinda May and why she was... Sitting at a desk job when the when the series started, uh, and it was a great episode. Or the last half of it was great, I guess. I, I'm just man, come on. And, and the what's led me to this is Daredevil, which is our topic today, and we'll talk about that in the panel conversation that we're going to ha- get to in just a few minutes here. Uh, but Daredevil was amazingly compelling. Uh, burned through 13 episodes not as quickly as I could have but faster than I thought I would because Daredevil's not one of my guys but it was just so good and compelling and well done and tight such a tight narrative and granted they had 13 episodes as opposed to you know 22 or 21 or whatever agents of shield gets but it really was just on point uh, but I don't want to talk about Daredevil now because we're gonna get to that I will also talk though about The Jimmy Fallon Avengers Assemble episode, where all of the Avengers, uh, or the primary Avengers, were on and were visibly drunk, many of them, uh, which was fine because it's a late night show. If they'd done that on a daytime show, maybe I wouldn't have been so okay with it. Uh, Granted, little kids wouldn't have known they were drunk anyway, but uh, it was it was a really fun show. But my problem lies, and and you guys know me if you read. The stuff that I write on Needless Things or follow me on Facebook is El Phantasmus. You know I'm not particularly sensitive. I'm not one of those guys that sits around waiting to be offended. Uh, I I am not any type of internet crusader by any means. But when you do something like that Avengers episode and right out of the gate you have your host, uh, Jimmy Kimmel. Did I say Jimmy Fallon in the beginning? I might have. Uh, not only are they doughy white guys, but they're both named Jimmy. How did this happen? To late night. Get I Give Aisha Tyler a show. Seriously. Uh, gosh, I sound like one of these internet assholes today. Apparently that's the mood that I'm in. I'm a little agitated today. And it, I, th- I think it's post-crisis agitation because we've had so much stuff going on here at the house. And it's uh, winding down, I guess, in anticipation of the next disaster. So right now there's nothing to, uh, panic about. We have our new sofas. We have our new floors. We have a new refrigerator. Uh, we, we have, granted, we've spent an awful lot of money. Uh, I have a new PC. Thanks to my buddy, Jeff Astopheles, a longtime phantom maniac and dear close friend of mine hooked me up with a new PC. So, everything should be timelier even as we speak everything is running so much faster in my editing and whatnot but anyway for the moment things have settled down here in the phantom zone so i think i have i'm used to being agitated i'm a pretty laid-back guy like i don't worry about stuff too much but you can't help but have this sort of energy when there's stuff going on and now i still have leftover energy but it doesn't have anywhere to go so i'm acting like an internet jackass and getting offended about things uh so seriously give aisha tyler a show though um not that she doesn't already have enough to do so i'm watching jimmy kimmel and he comes out and does his monologue and i i'm uh kimmel's good at what he does i'm not necessarily a fan i don't dislike him but he doesn't compel me like i'm not like oh i want to check out kimmel i love that guy he's not like uh craig ferguson uh, he's not like david letterman uh, he's just different taste he's not good he's not good or bad he's just not my taste so he comes out and starts making just hacky shitty geek jokes on this show that my people's my tribe's eyeballs are going to be on he makes the worst fucking comic-con virgin uh, smells bad jokes uh, just pathetic i expect better from modern comedy honestly and, and like I said, Kemmel's not necessarily my taste, but I do tend to think of him as being a little smarter than that uh you know he's no he's no Patton Oswalt, which granted that guy's not my taste either, but he is smart and fucking hilarious and would not resort to such hacky jokes because he is one of us uh but it was just bad, I think it was bad calls, and there there were a few of them there weren't a ton it wasn't overwhelming, but it was enough that I was like, really. You know, uh, this is our show. You you are ostensibly doing this show for us, and you're spitting in our face. So, you know, I, well, I might as well go watch Big Bang Theory instead, uh, speaking of not to my taste. Uh, although I will just say that's just terrible. Like, I'm not going to try and be neutral on that one and be the good guy. That's just a fucking awful show. Uh, so anyway, that bothered me. But the rest of the show was hilarious. Uh, the Avengers Family Feud was really funny and the avenger segment that they did was hilarious and it reminds me that i want to show it to little troublemaker because i think he will get a kick out of it so anyway that's the stuff i wanted to get off my chest today before we get into the proper episode and now it's time for my new favorite segment of the show something i'm really happy to be able to do i've communicated with a lot of musicians and artists to make this happen and we have a new one today Today's musical feature is from Andy Samford's Complete Anthology 1998-2006 to box set, which you can download for free at electricminnowmusic.com. Uh, this guy, I've known him for decades now, and he has always been a virtuoso. This guy, when I think musician, I think of Andy Samford. He is driven to make music and when you go to electric minnow music which is his website uh you will and, and you can download this stuff at mp3 or flack so that's that's where he is but when you go to this site you're going to see the the amazing amount of stuff that he's got up and and it's really just a small portion of his output over the decades but he's he's fantastic he's he plays everything he sings he's a badass he is a musical badass and this track is called Another Way and it's from disc 1 of that box set. And it's just a cool track. It caught my ear. Uh the the one the first track I heard from him is cover of uh Kenny Rogers just dropped in. And, and I I was going to put that on here, but I really wanted to give you something original. Uh go download everything cuz it's free. Uh, And and check out that nice cover of Kenny Rogers in the, the new edition or the first edition? Kenny Rogers in the first edition, I think. But anyway, Andy's version is better. Seriously, I'm not even kidding. But now here's another way from Andy Samford. We should talk about daredevil now yeah uh so before we start talking about the show i want to get an idea of kind of where everybody was with daredevil before the show started and you know what before we even do that let's say who's here uh of course joining us is needless things head researcher mr ryan schweck Good evening, everybody. Always nice to have you here. I, ex- I expect plenty of uh, interesting background information that I was entirely unaware of.
0: <laughs> uh, this is why my wife doesn't like to watch some of these shows with me because I actually pause it and I'm like, "You see what's actually happening right now?" She it gives me the eye control right. shit. Right. <laughs> like, it takes us like an hour and a half to watch an episode of like Flash or Arrow because I'll pause it <laughs> like. That name is a
1: writer, and he
0: wrote this and this,
3: and she and did not you, care less. Like, I don't give a shit. And and as
0: soon as you, show.
1: Oh, I pause it during the commercials.
0: <laughs> oh, I pause it like oh, a while it's happening <laughs> to make sure we all truly appreciate. That's true, yeah, not said. a
2: second more can go by without you understanding the significance of that cup of coffee in that particular spot on that newspaper.
0: Yeah, last time I'm sure she loved when I explained why it was funny that uh, Caitlin was using a fire extinguisher. I was like, "See, it's cold, and she's Killer Frost." And then I got a, Yeah, I know you told
2: me. <laughs> that you know what? I think that might be a worthwhile addition to the Needless Things family, the the Schwett cast uh, with I'd you just explaining that. things.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and Kelly just not caring, right? <laughs>
2: Uh, so so Ryan Ryan is here. We also have uh, the belligerent monkey, Jay Hornsby. Hello, hello. And for the first time on my show, and, and it's been long enough, we've had a couple of scheduling issues, but we're happy to have Miss Sarah Pope. Welcome.
1: Hey, guys. Thanks.
2: Uh, you You have, well, I think all three of you are probably going to have more insight about Daredevil than I do, because <laughs> honestly... He's not one of my guys. I've read a few Daredevil stories. Uh, Follow the Kingpin was one of the big ones that I picked up and, and really enjoyed and actually pertains somewhat to the characterization of Kingpin in the show. But really, I until Mark Wade started writing Daredevil, I didn't read a lot. I haven't read any of Frank Miller's stuff. Uh, I read the Elektra uh, graphic novel, uh, which I hate those words, but that's what that was. Uh but yeah, my experience with Daredevil isn't huge, but I know him just because he pops up everywhere else. He was in Inferno. He was in uh, Punisher, wh- one of my favorite Daredevil moments, actually, when Frank tied him up to a beam and made him choose between killing Frank or letting a criminal die.
1: Oh, it's such a good uh, one.
2: I love it. Oh, yeah. It's, it's fantastic. And and it, I mean, in that second, Frank Castle just crushes Matt Murdock. It's so sad. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm not – I wasn't super knowledgeable about Daredevil, but I knew the bare-bones facts. Like I, I knew probably more than your your casual viewer. Uh, Jay, where where was your Daredevil fandom before this past weekend?
3: I was pretty high. I uh, read a bunch of his books uh, as a kid. Uh, I, I read a lot of the Miller stuff. Um, there, there was kind of a break there in the 90s uh, where I kind of just quit comics altogether. Um, but I came back for him specifically – when uh, Kevin Smith, or yeah, it was Kevin Smith when yep. the Marvel Knights uh, relaunched, and I pretty much read every you know from when that started. I pretty much read every single Daredevil issue since, uh, from Smith, and then later on through Bendis, uh, his huge run, uh, which was amazing. I thought um, through through Wade stuff, and I, I think Wade has completely different take on the character, and I love it. You know, after years and years of such a dark and depressing book. Wade's come back to make it uh, to make it funny and awesome and uh, super lighthearted, and uh, I love it. So, I, yeah, I think
2: I've been a big big fan for a long time. I think that's part of the reason why I didn't get into Daredevil as much is because I, I enjoyed Spider-Man. Which granted, miserable things happen to Spider-Man too. But my entry point into the Marvel universe was the X-Men, and like there was enough misery there already. <laughs> I, I didn't need to add to that. With with poor Matt Murdoch. Oh, Matt Murdoch's uh,
1: amazing though, because he's all like Catholic and ethical, and it's such a, a side you don't really see a lot for comic book characters. I loved it.
2: Yeah, and that, what what is your experience, Sarah? Like, what what's your knowledge of Daredevil prior to this?
1: Um, I've, you know, I read a lot in the like turn of the century time, um, but I haven't really. <laughs> <laughs> what, a,
2: what a great <laughs> thing to be able to say.
1: But I haven't really read much of any comic books lately. I'm just starting to jump back in at Convergence, but um, I just, like I said, I've always loved the character because he always had really good dialogue. Like, it was it was more about, like, the inner struggle and, like, his conversations with people, you know. Yeah, he had great fights, but, you know, I, I love that he was always trying to do the right thing and constantly not being able to do it the way he thought he should have to. And it's, it's always been really cool to, to read it. Some really amazing writers um, have worked on Daredevil.
2: And finally, Ryan, what, uh what, what's your knowledge?
0: Yeah, mine's about the same as Jay's where I, you know, went through the Miller run and some of the older stuff then, and then really came back with Smith and their Bendis and Brubaker um, kind of took a break for a little while and then came back, started reading caught back up with all the Wade stuff because it was the same thing where after a while, God, it was just beat down after beat down. And I didn't really like the prison arc that much. It was okay. Um, but really when he got outed in there, that's where I kind of dropped out for a little while.
2: So going into it, uh, Sarah mentioned his Catholicism was being a key point of the character, and I, I, I definitely think so. And in modern media now, it is... Uh, To me, I was surprised at how much the show portrayed that. Uh, I mean, it was a key aspect of the the narrative. What do you guys – do you guys agree that that's a little unusual today to see something like that on TV or Netflix or whatever?
3: Uh, I didn't really think about it personally, but uh, for for that character himself, throughout the years, there's been a lot of symbolism with him. Either, uh, you know, on the cross or, uh, you know, at, at churches, uh, Quesada had a bunch of, uh, pinups from that fur, that Kevin Smith run, uh, with him, you know, uh, standing on the top of a church. So I, I, I thought it just felt natural personally.
2: Oh yeah. It's absolutely mm-hmm. necessary. I'm just, it, it's, I appreciate that the showrunners decided to, to incorporate it. Oh, uh, because- they did
1: such a good job with it too. Cause you have like, throughout the story they sprinkle it but then you have the whole like good samaritan story that that shows up in that last last um episode but you go back and realize they've been playing it out the whole arc um like you know in the very first episode when um when she mentions you know that they're good samaritans and then you go through and you realize that they've they've played out that story it just really kind of drives home that that's such a an integral part of the character and his storylines
2: well, and that's why I'm anxious to go back and watch it again because I think there are probably a lot of themes that that I didn't necessarily catch, you know, burning through 13 episodes in a weekend because <laughs> uh, it, it was one of those things that you just wanted to devour. But let let's talk about expectations a little bit going into it. Uh, what were you guys? Because I didn't know really much of anything because I try to stay away from spoilers. I, I don't like knowing. A whole lot when I go into something uh, to the point where I didn 't even know Rosario Dawson was going to be on it. Uh, that was a nice surprise. But my expectations going in, I knew I loved Mark Wade's run. I would have been perfectly happy seeing that tone, but I didn't really expect it because traditionally, Daredevil is a darker, grittier character. And for them to be doing a TVMA MA series on Netflix, that, you know, that does suggest that we're going to get the darker Matt Murdock. What were you guys thinking going into this?
0: I mean, I knew it was going to be darker just because, I mean, they had advertised it, you know, it gave it a darker rating. Um, and I knew beforehand they were not going to do Bullseye and Electra and they seemed to be trying to kind of distance themselves because of the Affleck movie. Um, and, uh, for now, anyway. For now. I, I mean, that they definitely hinted some of that stuff is coming. Um, but I think the biggest surprise was how they handled Kingpin. And I'm sure we'll get into Kingpin in a little while. But, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, definitely. And how much of a main <laughs> character he was. I was really surprised by that. that it's he was kind was of almost, the Kingpin
1: origin story, really. Right.
3: Yeah. Yeah, I, I personally hadn't, uh, kind of like you do, uh, Phantom, I didn't uh, – Really read anything, try to stay away from a lot of spoilers. So there was a lot of, uh, casting that I had, I, I didn't even realize until I saw them show up. And, you know, Night Nurse was definitely one of them. And so, I, and I didn't realize how dark they were going to go. I, I knew they were going to go darker, but uh, it wasn't until I was watching the show that I realized like how dark they really were,
2: were doing. Well, and what's fascinating is this is very much an adult show. I, all, all of us. Uh, are keeping up to one extent or another with the CWDC shows. And while they are definitely dramatic shows, they have that sort of teen drama feel to them. And that's not saying anything negative. Yeah. There's no uh,
3: decapitating by uh, car doors.
2: Well, and even, even <laughs> just, t- even just tonally daredevil is much more uh, an adult, like the wire or the shield Whereas you could never really compare Arrow, even Arrow that that's fairly gritty, you couldn't compare it to like some of that stuff. And whereas Daredevil I feel like hangs with those those uh those more adult like FX style shows.
1: I'm gonna tell you right now a lot of that has to do with it not being on network television. Um Oh, yeah. I mean, every network show I've been involved with, uh, like, you might start out with really, really great, you know, stuff, and then every single network executive that has, you know, any say whatsoever comes in and decides that they're, like, the most creative person on earth and wants to stick their finger in that pie and change parts of the script and the costumes and how dark something is or light something is. And by the time you get done, you have 30 people's ideas all mishmashed into a show, and it just waters it down so much because – they have no idea what should really be coming out of this. And so to see Netflix go at it so cohesively and not have to deal with ratings and what executives think is going to sell the most advertisement it in that direction and it kind of made me wish that some of our other shows had been done in that style like i would love to have seen constantine on netflix now knowing how dark they can do it
2: (laughs) speaking of which i I did you a disservice with your introduction uh because we i just realized uh, ryan and jay and i know your credentials but our listeners have no idea so what what uh where are you coming from with that statement and and your experience oh
1: god you just made that sound way cooler than it is i um, I am
2: but we don't know. We think it is cool.
1: <laughs> I do. Um, I make costumes for um, films, television, and, and movies, and I've worked on a few different comic book shows. So that's all. So you Such know as? what you're talking about is,
2: is the point.
1: I was the head tailor and the age or die on Constantine. I've done a little bit of work on Walking Dead. Um, I've worked on a couple of other non-comic book related things that happen to have comic book actors in them. Um, this past week I had the pleasure of working with Vincent D'Onofrio, um, who is absolutely the kindest man I've ever worked with. Um, absolutely blew my mind and I was pretty shaken by it because after watching 13 episodes this weekend of him being this terrifying, brutal villain to like come in and see him just be the nicest, most professional person on set just totally blew me away. It's pretty cool.
2: <laughs> see, don't undersell that. <laughs> Because that's awesome. Yep. Because the rest of us here are just thinking about Vincent D'Onofrio's quiet, growling kingpin <laughs> smashing dude's head in the car door. My gosh. Yeah, I wasn't ready for that. And I think that was the first big graphic incident on the show. Uh, like, the, the, you know, there was a little violence, a little bloodshed before that. But that was the – I think that was the moment where you were like, oh, yeah, this is <laughs> – Different. Yeah, there was definitely a few moments, uh, Ryan. I think you had. Uh, I, I know I had started
3: before you did, and you were asking about how kid friendly it was, and I was like, "Well, it's it's darker," <laughs> and like all of a sudden it's like, "Oh, that that's a bad spot," and then like you know, thirty <laughs> minutes later, it's like, "Oh, that's even a worse spot," and that that was the spot where it was like, "Oh yeah," the part where I said earlier that it's not kid friendly, it's hundred uh, percent more not kid friendly right now.
1: Yeah, I think scraping the brains out of the car afterwards was more disturbing to me than the smushing in the first place.
2: Yeah, there was a lot of goopy brains uh, going on. So tonally, I mean, obviously this was a decision for Marvel uh, to go to Netflix and to have this more serious section of the Marvel Universe, but it really blew my mind how well they incorporated it in with the other content, with the Avengers, uh, because even though the tone is so drastically different, it still felt very much like the Marvel Cinematic Universe in a way that I don't even think Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. does. Yeah, well, Uh, it
0: felt more like a reaction to what was going on in the MCU, whereas S.H.I.E.L.D. just kind of, God, I don't know how to put it. It, it, S.H.I.E.L.D. sometimes feels like it doesn't matter at all. Like stuff happens, right. and yeah, you know they're talking about the inhumans and all this stuff, but you know there's never you never see all right New York got destroyed, whole cities are being destroyed, and here's like realistically what's happening because of that um it was a genius idea on their part to make that where the criminals kind of came from or where they were getting a lot of their money was by you know taking over what had been destroyed, and then one of these heroes is. What stops it? So it's a nice kind of symmetry to it.
2: Uh, Well, it it kind of presents the other side of the coin because when we watch the Avengers, we get the the happy, feel good, wow, look at these superheroes, they're so wonderful. And then you watch Daredevil, and you see a a very, you know, for for such a fantastic world, a very realistic scenario where bad people are taking advantage of the fallout of the actions of these godlike. Characters like that first conversation uh, with Owsley and the other crime bosses, where he's just speaking so derisively about the Avengers. Oh, Owsley like, has the
1: best lines in this whole show. Oh, he was great
2: He's he's fantastic. I mean, everybody on the show, the casting was fantastic, the acting was fantastic, but he just had this this presence of that guy who's been around and seen it all. <laughs> uh he was fantastic but yeah just the the treatment the way they inserted it into the mcu was just really impressive uh and i don't know that i was expecting it to be that smooth what what stood out to to any of you guys well did we get through everybody's expectations about the show i think we did i think so yeah sure yeah um yeah sure (laughs) let's move on uh how, how fast did you guys go through it? I Over the course of the weekend, I'd watch a few episodes at a time. I, I wasn't able to mainline the whole thing. How Did, did you guys – was there any desire beforehand to be like, okay, I'm going to watch a couple and then wait, watch a couple more, or like was it just I have to see all of this as quickly as possible? For me personally, it was uh, – I wanted to watch
3: as many as possible, but then uh, – uh, i ended up getting sick so friday the the friday it came out actually ended up uh with a uh, like a bad stomach uh bug so i had watched a few on friday and then uh friday night i was sick all night and that that meant saturday i was in bed so literally i woke up at eight o'clock in the morning and watched like uh, eight episodes in a row uh just being sick laying in bed so I, i i definitely burned through it a lot faster than i thought um so I, I was done within uh, you know like a day and a half but that uh, that was uh you know quote unquote luckily because I had uh had been sick
1: yeah I um I had watched you know I've, I totally had not paid attention to when it was coming out and everybody started talking about it so I watched a couple episodes I think Saturday morning and then had to go out for Brian's birthday and Sunday morning I was like oh I'll watch a few more and then get some stuff done around the house and that's when I got hooked like After, like, I think the third episode on Sunday morning, I just plowed through the entire rest of the series the whole day.
0: (laughs) I did about three episode chunks with kids and moving and grad school and stuff. But it was good. It was good to see, like, three and then take a break and then come back to it. Um, But then I've started the second go through, too.
2: I think what impressed me was that there wasn't really a waiting period for it to get good. Pretty much into the first episode, I was hooked, and I dug the characters. And another nice surprise for me, not knowing anything going in, is I didn't realize that Karen Page... Like I knew the name Karen Page, Mm -hmm. but not her whole comic history, so I didn't know that she was a recurring character. So it was really nice to get that whole, okay, she's their first client... Here's this thing happening. Oh shit, she's part of the cast. That's cool. Like I got to enjoy that kind of surprise of, of her being regular because her performance is actually what got Her
1: and Foggy. Me. Uh, Foggy her and Foggy, Foggy was, was great. Foggy, Both of yeah. fantastic.
2: Yeah. But uh but I mean she was just outstanding. Like I bought everything she said. Foggy's fun, but he's not the guy That sells everything, at least not, not initially granted by the end of the show, he's totally the guy that's putting everything over. Uh, and it's interesting because Matt, uh, he's essentially the punchy kicky guy. Like he's not, uh, he's the center of the show, but at the same time, he doesn't have the best character on the show. He really doesn't even have the fourth best character on the show. He, I mean, Charlie Cox does a good job. He's a good Matt Murdoch. But I'm, I'm much more invested in Wilson Fisk and Karen Page and Leland Owsley than, than I am in, well, in
0: Daredevil kind of – the character itself suffers kind of sometimes from the same thing that Cyclops does where it's a very – you know he's very straight-laced and has very black and white morals. And so the interesting thing about the character is how other people around him react to it and how they it, a, interact, really interact with yeah. him. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. And kind of the positions he gets put in because of being that straight laced character. And so if you don't have those like really strong characters around him, he's he's pretty boring. I mean, his power isn't that. I mean, he really doesn't have that great of powers or anything to show off visually. I mean, the fights were great, but you know you're not throwing a hammer or anything.
2: So the the fights were phenomenal. Yeah. <laughs> um, that I, I would even though I, I say yes, I was sucked in at the beginning. But the point where I realized I was watching something really special was that one take in episode two. Scene. Yeah, yeah, that it was, was great. Like it was the amazing. whole way. and yeah, I wasn't expecting that. Uh, I because as much as I love Marvel's movies and media product, I've never really thought of them as being particularly artful.
1: This but one definitely was. It, they've got the same yes. cinematographer that did the Fargo TV show um and he was just brilliant like it was a very artistic show that was one of the things that struck me the most you know the way i mean the the sets were decorated the colors the lights the way everything played off of each other it was just as profound as what the characters were doing it was pretty amazing
2: well it i mean when i'm looking at shots that are reminding me of like old boy and classic westerns and Uh, Just things that I don't expect from Marvel, because every single time they showed uh, Matt and Foggy's building, it was this slow sweep in, and it had that halo of light behind it. I mean, just gorgeous shots uh, uh, everywhere. I mean, all kinds of interesting cinematic techniques, like and the fights were fights like we don't often get to see nowadays, because typically when you're watching an action movie, you have that terrible shaky cam, up close shots where you can't tell what's yeah, going cuts, on. Quick cuts, back and forth. Cuts. Yeah. Yes. Uh, you it, and you can't enjoy the choreography of the fight yeah. at all. In this, you got nice long shots of guys punching and they punch were each really other, punching, like they other. were trying
1: to hurt each other. It looked they, were
2: I mean, they weren't oh, yeah. just
1: making noise. It was amazing.
0: I think. When, What made him so good too is like a lot of movies and TV shows these days that are action-oriented like, I don't know, Furious 7 or something like that. Even when you have the fights, it looks like the guys have superpowers. You know, There's no – they look super strong and they're doing this stuff nobody can. But Daredevil was getting the shit kicked out of him every episode. (laughs) Like it wasn't like a take a punch and then he turns back and looks at you. (laughs) Like he spent so much time on the ground and like –
1: Blony. and that
2: was the other thing that they really played up about him though was that well in the theme of the show was you get knocked down but you get back up without seeing a chumble <laughs> <Rumble> song, <hopefully. laughs> uh because every time they they use that line there were two or three times they said something about getting knocked down that went through my head which is horrible yeah. existence to have uh but yeah that that his ability to take a beating which I think Rosario Dawson even said at one point your superpower is getting your ass kicked or That's something about like right those lines and and it was brutal too i mean you see the stab wounds and and the contusions and i mean he just he looked horrible all the time and that to me you know with my limited knowledge of the character that to me was I love that
1: his friends were just like oh yeah you're blind you just fall down the stairs all the time it's cool <laughs> yeah. totally buy right. that
3: yeah, of
0: course you fall
2: you can't see anything <laughs> <laughs> well and he sold being blind. Oh, so my favorite,
1: well. my absolute favorite shot is totally subtle and doesn't matter at all. But he's somebody walks into a room and tries to shake his hand, and you see him purposely place his hand in the wrong spot. Yes, and I loved that because you know that he knew where that guy's hand was. He was just making sure that guy thought he was totally useless. It's yeah. awesome.
2: Well, and that's that's where Charlie Cox's acting ability comes in. Is throughout the show, you believed that he was a blind guy that could tell what was going on but was also totally fooling everybody into believing he was a blind guy. Like, it's this crazy double mind fuck that they totally Well, and they off.
1: paralleled it with the bad guys because then you have them pretending they don't know the languages to make themselves look more vulnerable, yes. and he was doing the exact same thing.
2: Yeah, so many nice little touches with the the, the relations... I mean you really could have gotten two shows out of the story that they laid out because you had, you know, Matt and Foggy and their entry into the the legal world essentially, but you also had Fisk's rise and his relations with these criminals and they're both completely full bodied stories, neither one of which got short shrift in the show. We we got to see the full interaction of Fisk. And his betrayal of of his you know supposed partners, we got to see every step of the road between Matt and Foggy. You know that discovery when Foggy finds out that Matt is Daredevil. That was probably one of the most powerful scenes in the. Yeah, the whole I, series I it, was, it wasn't just that point. he
3: found out that he was Daredevil. Uh, the fact that he found out that he wasn't necessarily blind this whole time, because there's a lot of stuff right. early on. Right. Uh where they showed Foggy being very uh conscious about the fact that, like, oh yeah, she's nodding right now or oh yeah, he's shrugged right now, trying to cue you know, help help him out and to find out that he he could have seen he he saw that the entire time uh was a real big deal.
0: Well, there's another really good thing Charlie Cox does in that scene too where he wakes up on the couch when Foggy is there. And when he hears Foggy's voice, he makes the blind face for a minute where he kind of like looks around like he can't see anything. And then when Foggy yeah. calls him out on it, he immediately like, looks right at him and focuses on him like mm-hmm. the jig is up basically. <laughs> and it, it, it's – yeah, stuff like that
1: was just great. Well, and I, I just loved that Foggy and, was and so was- upset. Like so many times in these superhero movies, and you see this stuff happen, and their friends find out, and they're like, Oh, okay, awesome, let's go. I love that they spent like what an episode and a half with them being really pissed off about it. It was, it was really
2: well. And that's the advantage that this 13 hour format has is, you know, when you've got a two hour movie, you've got 45 seconds essentially for the friend to say, Oh, well, I forgive you, <laughs> let's go fight crime. And, and here, they had the time necessary to, to play this out. I, as I was watching this, I was trying to imagine, and, and I'm, obviously it would never have been as effective, but I was trying to imagine how it would have been condensed into a two-hour movie, uh, and it would have just, I mean, obviously it would have been entirely different, but it, it's as such credit to Marvel for making the decision to go 13 hours with this. I mean, that really is, if you think about the fact that we, we only have eight hours of iron man and we really still, I mean, there's, there hasn't been anywhere near the level of characterization with him because that eight hours, so much of it has been devoted to other people, to black widow, to pepper, to, you know, everybody else. This, we really got these characters. We got a sense of them. And essentially, Ryan, you made a really good point about where we are at the end of the series.
0: Gonna have to remember <laughs> <laughs> what you We're- said.
2: I, I, did, I didn't want to scoop up your your excellent. Re- but but essentially, the last episode is called Daredevil because that's the start of the story.
0: Right, right. So it, that was all. I mean, basically, as much as Marvel is saying, it was a weird thing because Marvel now is on this kick. They're not doing origin stories anymore, is what they say. And, and it really an wasn't an story without
1: being an origin story. But it right.
0: really – yeah, it really wasn't. I mean you started and he had a costume and he was trained and he was going to fight crime, but he wasn't Daredevil yet. And one of the things I was kind of interested is I could never figure out – and I guess they'll go into this more. If he was planning on being a superhero from the beginning like with the full costume at some point or if it was more –
3: it evolved over time,
1: and he kept and they, making jokes about working on it every time he yeah. made fun of his outfit,
3: yeah, yeah. yeah. It, at the end of the day, I mean he had a costume and it did have you know something to it, so well, but we it's got a to see or not.
2: we got to see that Genesis though because we saw the development of the devil's devil of hell's kitchen. Like he didn't come up with that name. That's that was given to him by the media or whatever. And we saw him kind of embrace that over the course of time. He even had talks, you know, with, uh, the priest about the nature of good and evil and the existence of the devil. Like we got to see this evolution of how he came up with essentially how he invented the daredevil character. And then at the very end with the cop, I mean, the cop essentially coins it, uh, calling him Daredevil after seeing him jump, after seeing him parkour up (laughs) the side of the building. Blind parkour. (laughs) Yes. Uh, I mean, there were so many things that we, it was so much more satisfying to see this play out the way it did than to just see Thor pick up a hammer.
1: Well, and and they made it so beautiful because they did the exact same thing with Fisk's, Fisk's character. Through the, you know, along the same timeline, you saw him, he didn't become pe- a Kingpin until after this whole 13 episodes, really. Yeah. Um, you know, you see it in his costume. He starts out with the black, then, you know, Vanessa dresses him in the gray, and then at the very end, he's in the white prison uniform. You know, he's working his way towards Kingpin, just like Matt Murdock is working his way towards Daredevil. It was really beautiful parallel through the whole thing.
2: So odd that you would pay particular attention to the costume <laughs> development.
1: They the made series. a really big deal out <laughs> yeah. of it. There's an entire scene no, where it's know, just him know. putting on the clothes.
2: I, I <laughs> and, well, and it sheets. is his the even the the cufflinks, you mm. know, from the beginning with with the spotlight on his father's cufflinks and the significance. And she puts her hand over him and mm. gives him different cufflinks. I mean, uh, Vincent D'Onofrio. I've never seen anything like that from him before. I, I've, I've enjoyed him since he was Private Pile. Uh, I still don't quite understand how the Vincent D'Onofrio in the cell is the same Vincent D'Onofrio as all the other Vincent D'Onofrios. Men in black. Um, right. <laughs> I mean, he he's a fantastic actor, but I never expected what we saw from him. And then this portrayal of Kingpin—I mentioned earlier that *Fall of the Kingpin* is one of the few runs of Daredevil that I that I've read, uh, and that portrays him as somewhat more of a sympathetic character. And this w- was along those lines. We got to know him as a human, uh, and and got to have some a bit of sympathy for for who he was and what his life had been in a way that you know it's very popular now to make the bad guys relatable but it's not always effective the way it's done with this he was compelling you wanted to see where he was going and you almost wanted him to succeed just to see what was next.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I thought he, his whole arc
3: was fantastic. I thought he was perfect. And I, I loved that they uh, gave him uh, – they had the time to show the backstory. because so I think even without the flashbacks, he still portrayed him as very pained and you know, did a fantastic job. But then with the flashbacks on top of it, uh, I think you really saw uh, – the the arc of the character growing into where he was so he he was one of my favorite parts of the whole show
0: and with Kingpin I think one of the biggest surprises for me the whole show and one that I've thought about since it ended was Vanessa and what she did like because if you really she wasn't around that much and she slowly, as it went on, she encouraged him to get worse and worse and worse. Yeah, she made it And okay. it was yeah. subtle. Like, it was yeah. so subtle, the things she would say and be like, well, you know, sometimes you got to do this stuff. And, like, I was really surprised by that character. Because at first when they had her, I was somewhat afraid they were just going to do the stupid, like, oh, she gets killed later by Daredevil by accident right. or by a cop right. or something. <laughs> but, no, it's all her, like – Totally just encouraging him <laughs> subtly and making it okay to do. Yeah, that's um, it.
1: She's the one that tells him it's okay to do this. It's okay to want this and, and makes yeah. him feel comfortable doing what he really wants to do. It's, it's yeah. crazy.
2: Which also was a refreshing change because so often when you get that female role, she is either, uh, ignorant of the bad guy's actions or feigning ignorance or, You know, they try to portray her as oh, she's a nice, pure female. She was down for the dirty stuff uh, all the way, (laughs) and it's not something you see all the time. Uh, It uh, again, it kind of went against what we normally see from these these comic book type movies and TV shows. And one thing – one of the things
0: and one of the few things I didn't like about the show in general though was I wish they hadn't outed the Kingpin at the end. And I don't know another way around it from the whole arc of the story and what they could have done. But I like Kingpin when you have Wilson Fisk, this businessman, and then there's just whispers about the Kingpin and that there's this guy somewhere. And Daredevil knows who it is, but he can never pin him.
3: Yeah, but I think the way they set up the story though, like the only satisfying way to end it was that yeah. he had to have uh something yeah. had to happen yeah. to Yeah,
0: I don't know how they could have got around it.
1: Yeah, the closer was still hidden yeah, the closer we got to the end, I was thinking, well, they're not going to out him, so how are they going to resolve all of this? I mean, the entire thing they've been working on is outing this guy, so what are they going to do instead? Yeah. I was well, very I was, surprised. I was, was kind of the hoping
0: th- they were going to arrest him, and then he was just going to have already made a paper trail that says, ha nope, look
2: at all this evidence I have that I'm not the kingpin. <laughs> well, here's the thing, that Then he walks out. at the When the show starts, he is already that that – force behind the scenes right he's already been at it for years so there's a lot of his career you know as the kingpin perhaps without you know being the character fully yet that we just didn't see he's already been doing it and what's interesting is when we go into a second season all it's going to take is kingpin hiring a media rep or something to clear his name i mean how easy is it these days <laughs> for a complete bastard to get the public on his side, I mean, there there's a story there as well, and I think probably a more relevant story for modern times than him just being the hidden figure. Right. Well,
0: and see, I thought about that too. Up until they started shooting cops at the end, and I was like, well,
3: maybe they're yeah, not
1: going to get is, out of this one. Yeah, he's <laughs> like,
0: got his own you
3: team. <laughs> you can get out of getting uh, walking away like a badass.
1: I mean, That's maybe strange. if Wesley was still around, but I
2: don't know. Oh my gosh. How <laughs> fucking crazy was that?
1: Oh, he was amazing. Wesley I was, was not fantastic. expecting that.
2: Yeah. Oh. Wesley was amazing, but what makes you think I've never shot anyone before? Oh. I, I was glad nobody was home when I watched that because I just went, what the fuck? What I the think fuck? I did too. <laughs> and I, I, it was unbelievable. I, I never expected it because Wesley, and, and I'm glad he came up because honestly unfortunately for him he kicks it but uh so he wasn't in my thoughts just talking about the end of the show but he was one of the main reasons to enjoy the show he was fantastic i mean and at the beginning for the first two episodes he essentially is the antagonist
0: mm-hmm. i kept waiting for him to like be somebody else or like right really be like a big bad guy in charge and be doing stuff without the kingpin but
3: yeah for a second, I thought he was gonna like uh turn on him and you know do something and like uh you know so, so, something was gonna happen there at the end uh when he was getting the 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 phone calls right before that scene um but yeah I, I thought he was a great character the actor killed it.
2: Well, and that was another refreshing change, is that he was who he seemed to be. There yeah. wasn't any big turn or twist. He was just loyal to Fisk. I mean, that was, that was that. Yep.
3: Yeah, and you could see how, and- uh, Fisk was loyal to him, too, as, yes. uh, how much he freaked out after.
1: I always wondered if he considered Fisk a friend in the way that Fisk considered him a friend, because that's really, like, the only friend he ever really had. So, was it just a business relationship for them? I don't
2: know. I, no, I, th- I think they both understood what the relationship was. I think Wesley understood. I think he needed to be that important person in Fisk's life, even if he would never be on the same level with him, even if he would never necessarily be recognized as a contemporary. I think he needed to be needed. Part of
1: me always wondered if he, like, you know, obviously it's not, but it would have been kind of cool if he was the kid that he, you know, that... Uh, Fisk and his dad beat up
2: oh yeah Uh, Uh, I thought that
1: would have been pretty cool
2: (laughs) but uh, but yeah and and then Fisk from Fisk's side of the relationship uh, obviously he saw Wesley as a confidant as his the word friend is interesting because I don't think he
1: understood what friend meant
2: exactly exactly it's the closest
1: approximation he could come up with
2: Uh, yeah yeah, but I don't think he he thought of him as a friend, but I do think he was closer to him than anybody else in the world until Vanessa came along.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And even then, I don't think, because uh, they didn't play with that at all, which would have been interesting if Wesley had started to get jealous of her. <laughs> but they never went down that road either. But they did. I, I did thought, like Madame Gow's reaction to Vanessa and the perceived weakness uh, you know, that everybody saw once Fisk was had taken up with her. Which, Madam yeah. Gow, another incredibly strong point, <laughs> especially at the end with her personal what-the-fuck moment.
0: Yeah, she's Madam Crane. Yes, she is. <laughs> <laughs> Surprise. I, she is I, not know,
1: going back to China. <laughs> I felt so yeah. dumb
0: because I would watched almost – I mean it was probably the second to last or maybe like I, one of the last episodes. And they showed the heroin packet and they showed the symbol. Mm-hmm. And I was like, holy shit. I have missed this the entire episode. Like whole series. It's been right there the whole time. That- Damn it, head researcher. Yeah, yeah, I knew she I,
1: was someone, but I couldn't place it until she said she wasn't going back to China. She was going further. Yeah, that's that's what,
3: that's me, what uh, tipped me off too. Like I, I I missed it the whole series until that that moment. I, was, I had to think about it. I was like, well, sh- where, where where else is she gonna go? <laughs>
2: <laughs> There's nowhere further away than China. <laughs> I
1: knew she was something because she was he was terrified of her, and that yeah. that's what made it stand out to me.
2: Yeah, Yeah, I did like that up to the very end because you saw him, you know, slowly turn on everyone. Whereas, you know, from the beginning, obviously the Russians had targets on him. Um, And the Japanese, Buno, Buro, what was his name? Nubo? Uh, Nubo. 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 Uh, Hand ninja. A fucking straight (laughs) up (laughs) hand ninja. Yes. That was another great moment (laughs) when that episode started they didn't dull it down any they didn't uh you know they didn't put a generic ninja costume on him. He was a straight up full on hand ninja, which was fantastic um, but you know the Japanese you could tell he he didn't have as much trouble you know getting rid of that guy, but as it went on, he was more reluctant to dispose of his allies and finally, in the end, he was still uh, still with Madame Gao to a certain extent. Like, he, he never at any point wanted to have to go up against her.
0: Oh, absolutely. Well, and the hand stuff's going to come back to bite him in the ass. Like,
1: Well, aren't they doing an Iron Fist show, too? Yes,
0: yeah. that's the fourth show. Yeah. Okay. So they'll be back then. And the hand, I don't know. I mean, the hand seemed to be – I mean, he laid that map out, and he had drawn the symbols over the block, and they wanted the block. Mm-hmm. I mean, I assume they were setting up Shadowland. Or that eventually mm-hmm. it's going to be a Shadowland
2: type story, which could be really cool. Well, that could be the Defender's story though, because I think it that, could was be. a, that was a big enough story to uh to sort of <laughs> encompass everybody. Okay, yeah, I think so that's the whole thing with Stick, you know, like uh, where he was
3: talking to the guy, that, that could all be related to setting up the Defenders thing.
2: Okay, so who's the guy with who's the giant guy with the scarred up back? Stone. Stone. Okay, so who's Stone?
0: Well it... It's stone in the comics. Stone trains, I mean, Stick trains Stone, and then yeah. <laughs> so they, they seem and to stones will right. break your bones. You know, yeah, exactly. It's, it's old. It Marvel. is a comic book. <laughs> yeah, they uh, they didn't have that, but they come back in Shadowland too, and they play the two of them play a pretty big part in Shadowland. But he, it's been forever since I've read that, so you all may have to jump in. But all right, he trains Stone after Daredevil because he thinks daredevil failed him basically right i think that's what it was it has been forever
2: the scenes with stick training a young matt murdoch were were really nicely done actually all of the young matt murdoch stuff was nicely done i really enjoyed all that stuff and i usually hate flashbacks to childhood but they <laughs> they built such a good relationship with Battle and jack and matt and then with stick and with matt uh did you guys dig that stuff or was it kind of like all right that's enough of that
0: I think they handled it really well. They gave you just enough. You didn't have to see him get splashed. You didn't have to see him push someone out of the way. Um, you didn't have to see Bell and Jack get killed. So that's all stuff, you know, we've all seen before. So I'm glad they skipped that and really showed you more character forming moments rather than superhero forming moments. Does that make sense?
2: Yeah. Yeah, because that that is what it was all about was him learning that, you know, keep fighting.
0: Right, I kept waiting for the dad to say the Alfred,
2: you know why we fall. I kept like, uh, thinking yeah. in my head, I was like, yeah. God,
0: don't say it.
2: A better that than a Chumbawamba song. That's true. Um, <laughs> I was really shocked at the scene with him stitching his dad up when he gave him the the swig of scotch.
3: I, yeah, I wanted to bring I that up. I thought that. that was
1: hilarious. I loved it.
2: And, and again, Netflix, you know, that that you're probably not going to see minors imbibing on Netflix. Yeah, you're not going to see that on S.H.I.E.L.D.
3: where you flashback yeah. to Sky taking a shot of whiskey when she was uh, 10.
2: <laughs> right, right.
3: And I, I like that they brought it back to, uh, I think it was uh, him and Foggy talking about drinking or something. And it's like, when did you first drink? It's like, I was 10. Just like t- totally yeah. normal.
0: Like, what? Yeah. <laughs>
2: Uh, now yeah, I, I also appreciate whichever one of you guys it was that pointed out that Foggy was Panub from mm-hmm. Idle Hands. Yeah, that was me. I,
3: I realized that after the fact because I I knew I recognized him and you know I instantly liked him in the in the show, and so when the show was finally done, uh, I was just you know doing IMDb on a, a few of the folks just to uh, see what else they did, and that's when I saw that he was in Idle Hands, which I loved.
1: No, no he was Mighty Ducks, and that's all that matters. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, he's the yeah. she yeah, in Mighty Knuckle Ducks. Shot. That was forever ago. Knuckle shot. Yep, that's the one. That's awesome.
2: <laughs> you young kids and your Mighty Ducks. Uh, yeah, just
3: in general, just uh to circle back with the casting. The casting was amazing. Like Foggy was great. Uh, Karen was fantastic. I can't remember the actress's name, but she was the best part of, uh, True Blood. She was yeah, by far really my favorite was. character on that show.
2: Deborah Ann Wall, which is such a, like, 70s movie star name. <laughs> yeah, she
3: that. was, she was fantastic in True Blood and she was fantastic in this.
2: Uh, Vin- Vincent uh, uh, What
3: was that again? I thought <laughs> you are going to make me say. Uh, Vincent D, period, was the, uh, fantastic. Uh, uh, so, yeah, the, the whole casting was fantastic.
1: So, I have a question. Um, since, I mean, I don't know if we know if they're going to do more seasons of Daredevil, but we know they're building up with the other shows that they're doing. Do you think that knowing that they may not do more Daredevil individually, they might just be working towards this Defenders thing? if that freed them up to kill off like Ben and and Wesley and some of these characters that could have had a lot of potential moving forward to add to the story.
2: I don't know. I, I, I which I'm glad you brought up Ben. Cause that's another one that, that didn't make it that I, I wasn't thinking about. Ben Yurik was fantastic. Uh, a great part of the story at the beginning. I was like, Ugh, are we going to have to follow this reporter too? Cause really I don't give a shit, but, you know, a couple ap- episodes after he really started to take a hand in it, when he and Karen started working together, uh, he was an integral part of the story.
1: Well, and they kept and, teasing us with killing him. Like, they kept, like, all yeah. oh, the snipers aimed at Ben, you know. They kept teasing it and not doing it, so they waited till he finally felt like he was safe, and then they pulled the rug out from under you. It
2: killed me. It's not prepared. Yeah, I, <laughs> well, and the thing is, he could have been such a big part of the ongoing Marvel Cinematic Universe. Exactly. I mean, uh, that, that was... That was kind of a weird decision. I This is what my personal opinion on the future of, of I guess, Daredevil as an individual franchise. Marvel's very smart. They've, Kevin Feige is obviously a genius. I think they were ready to go either way. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think they probably had plans in place if Daredevil did not do well and didn't get a great reception. I think they've got plans in place if it did incredibly well and people want more. Uh, i I think they had every scenario planned out i don't doubt at all that they're at this point if they don't already have plans for a second season of just Daredevil that they 're working on it because there's no way in this day and age you get the kind of social media positive attention that Daredevil got and don't go forward with more yeah. even though they've even though they're connecting it with the rest of the defenders with uh what have we got Ryan?
0: Jessica Jones, and then Cage, and then Iron
2: Fist, and then the Miniseries, and then the defen- Defenders, which is very specifically mentioned as a miniseries, uh, which I guess means like maybe five or six episodes, if that. Uh,
0: I kind of wonder but- if they're going to wait, put out Jessica Jones, see what Jessica Jones does, and then kind of make a decision from there, because they're going to. There's going to be a risk of oversaturating. If, sure. Say Jessica Jones does even better. And so they want to do a second season of Jessica Jones. Like it, It's a pretty complicated thing they've set up. But I think you're right. They're going to have to. And what's going to kind of mess them up too, I think – well, not mess them up, and I'm sure they have it all written out. But between this and The Defenders, by the time this ends, Civil War will have happened.
1: Yeah. Like the Registration Act
0: yeah. is going to happen, and it's going to affect all these shows and how everything operates in the MCU. And so – I'm sure there's a whiteboard somewhere full of complicated charts that <laughs> show when things happen. And if something happens, then we do this and all that kind of stuff. But I think they seem w- to set up at least, well, they absolutely set up Iron Fist. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I'm sure there was other stuff set up. Well, they have be- the
1: black sky thing they hinted at too. Yeah. I don't know what that was. I don't either. I was going to ask you guys.
2: Well, and it could have something to do with Shadowlands. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's As well. What I, was I mean, it too. D- depending on, because that's the other thing that we have to take into account is no matter how much of a historian you are for Marvel Comics, there are at this point the MCU is very good at misdirection. They're very good at appropriating concepts and ideas and turning them into things that you don't expect, but that are still satisfying within the context of the MCU. So every little hint that gets dropped. While you may recognize its significance, you may not know exactly what it means.
0: Right, and like Cage, Luke Cage doesn't really have a antagonist that everybody knows. Like Jessica Jones, we know it was going to be Purple Man. We're assuming Iron Fist will be Madame Crane and Steel Which, Serpent.
2: I, let me just say real quick how hilarious <laughs> I think it is that the first picture of David Tennant as Purple Man <laughs> is just a picture of David Tennant. Yeah. Like was that a joke or something? Like <laughs> really? He's in
0: a purple suit, you know.
2: <laughs> like uh, they could have put that purple picture up yet. He, this is early on. This is origin story. <laughs> they could have put that picture up months ago. Yeah. Well,
0: did you see the Luke Cage picture today? They were like, yeah. "Here's the yeah. first Luke Cage," and it's just him in a jacket. <laughs> like yeah, it's right. him right. I in right. want a yellow shirt, and a tiara. God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> and
2: they and see that's the thing. That's almost a little disappointing about how serious this new sector of the MCU is, is I feel like if this were Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. or the Avengers side of it, there would be some kind of hilarious nod to that Luke Cage costume. But in this one, I don't think we can quite pull that off. No. No.
0: No, which, which is,
2: which, which on one hand is a shame and on the other hand is probably for the best. It's Although. Like it's
1: really hard because you want to sell like, Something goofy, you know, like I heard they really tried to put Kingpin in like the full crazy outfit with the white suit. And like, I know on Constantine, we we sent photos to the producers of uh, Papa Midnight with the white tailcoat, top hat and grass skirt. Like we really pushed it. And, you know, there's someone somewhere is going to shake their head and say, that's just a little too far. Sorry, guys.
2: (laughs) Well, and the thing is, though, the the character that you guys created was Papa Midnight. Oh, Like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he looked fantastic. He worked in that. I'm going to tell you,
1: he looked pretty fantastic in the hula skirt, too. <laughs> to <say. laughs> the shirtless tailcoat. Yeah, it was It was not a bad photo. <laughs> um,
2: so a- as we wrap it up here, uh, we- we've talked about potential futures. We've talked about the show itself. Are there any things that you guys want to be sure and hit on before we, we close out?
0: Um there's a couple of things. Was I the only one that was disappointed at the end when he put on his Daredevil costume? And immediately I thought, Oh, I missed the black costume. <laughs> like I got so used to like the black and like I really liked how the mask was and then he put on the Daredevil costume. And I was like, Oh, well, all right. Like No, I was totally happy. Or, I, I think I mean I like the Daredevil awesome. costume. I thought it looked really good and I liked and I, I really liked the evolution of the sticks and why he started using yes. them and how they slowly introduced them. But I kind of missed the old mask. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I I dug. I, I was so happy. Like they earned that. You know. Let's be honest. They earned that goofy looking costume. Yeah. And the fact. Yeah. That
1: and
0: it's color coded. Once the villains it figure is. out the color coding on right. outfit, it's gonna be like aim for red, guys. Come on.
1: Yeah. Well, I just love the guy that builds it too. Like he's not a tailor, but he's walking around with this little sewing tape and
0: because <laughs> well, it's well, gladiator
1: I, well,
2: and I they sewed
0: it when he like pulled the costume off and the buzz saw was there i was like yeah oh, i
1: saw that
2: well and that's the thing though is i, I had to look him up because i didn't know who he was and i mean he's a costume designer now granted in the context of the show i don't think that he is but in the comics he's a costume <laughs> yeah, designer yeah, yeah did and you guys see the stilt? uh stilt man, uh, yeah, stilt man stuff in the background what? no yeah no. they're in the background yes. of that scene yeah. Oh his my shop, gosh. still
3: man uh, legs. Yeah. Oh, that's great. I don't know. I, I, I personally like the uh the the the, the final costume. The, the the black costume I actually uh, grew to like a lot more than I thought. Just yeah. the initial photos of it, I was a little worried about it because it re- reminded me too much of the. uh crappy costume from the uh tv movie trial of the oh no you know because it was like the all black costume
2: yeah yeah. It's yeah. So, like
3: I, when i first saw it i was like oh god damn it it's the same crappy well, well, one from before but um it, it grew on me but I, I was glad to see the uh, more official costume at the end
2: have- well how it grew on me was as as the show went on you realized all the little details on the costume like the, the padding on the knees and the elbows and the forearms and the gloves actually were weighted. And, like, you saw that it wasn't just a black bodysuit or black shirt and pants. Like, there were details on it. Yeah, yeah I think that he had some made red piping more, on it, like, around the shoulders. Right, yeah. around the – yeah, yeah. I mean, there were lots of details. Like, I would love to see a well-lit picture of that.
1: Well, I don't know. That's the thing is, like, the – when he gets the final costume at the end, like – I didn't do any pre, you know, I didn't want to get spoiled on anything either, so I never saw any pictures ahead of time, and I loved it in the show. Like, it looked great, it was wonderful, and the dark lighting, it looked amazing, and then I looked it up online and saw the full lit photos, and I didn't like it, but it's like they knew that they were gonna shoot it in these dark action scenes, in these alleyways, where the contrast wasn't going to stand out as much, and it was going to be so much more interesting. So I don't think it's ever meant to be seen in full light,
2: you know. I. I oh no, I'm not saying within the context of the show. I'm just saying like reference. Oh yeah, yeah. I just I, I liked, liked it better see on the, the show. Details.
1: Yeah. I can't so.
0: wait for somebody to point out in the black mask too. Like nobody's pointed out that there were no eye holes on that thing. I know. Like the whole time, somebody was like, "Hey, how are you seeing this? Like, how's this guy thing? seeing this?" Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But I did notice on the final one too, and I guess I never thought about this in years of reading Daredevil. But you know, a lot of his powers rely on his ears being able to like echo locate what's around him. Oh he has the ear vents. And he has vents, that's not yeah. gonna help. Like <laughs> no, sound's only gonna come in like one little area. He's gonna think everything is directly to his right and to his
2: left. <laughs> see, I always thought his radar sense was more of a biometric thing. I didn't know. I didn't think it was specifically well, his ears. Have you? Yeah, ever yeah, that's seen... kind of how I saw it too. Was well, more yeah, of it's it's just smell uh...
0: too. but yeah. But have you seen the blind people that click? Go on and oh, watch yeah, videos. Yeah. Wow. They, have yeah. you ever seen this? So they go, and yeah. it they are able to like see stuff from it. It's unbelievably crazy. Like there's a guy that like rides bikes and like jumps stuff by going. Um. So I imagine it's like that. I am glad though that they only showed us that fire. However, he described it like the world was on fire. On fire. Yeah, I'm glad yeah. we only saw that like once or twice. But you because- get the
1: opening sequence, and did like when I see that opening title sequence, that's how when he ever described it in the books, that's how I envisioned it looking. Like that's the throwback to what he's seeing. Yeah, the, they, I thought the yeah, opening sequence
3: it looked awesome, like with the yeah. uh, kind of paint tri- uh, dripping down or blood yeah. or whatever. I thought that looked great. Um, yeah, they, they really did not spend much time, um, showing how his superpowers worked. Like in the, in the, in the movie, you know, they, they, they set it up a bunch uh, of times.
2: Exhaustive. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Uh,
3: so I, I thought that, that was a, uh, I, I, I don't know if I was happy with it or not, but it, you know, it was definitely a choice not to dwell on that to just, get no, past was- it.
2: I think it was great. They didn't dumb it down. They didn't feel like they needed to talk down to us. All they did was he's sitting there with Karen Page, and all we get is that close-up of him blurred around the edges with the heartbeat. It's not saying, oh, by the way, my name is Matt Murdock, and I'm a human lie detector because I can tell how fast somebody, like later on in the show, he explained it to Foggy, but it's because he had to explain it to Foggy.
1: Yeah, they don't but, dumb it down. You get to be yeah. an intelligent viewer. I love that. Yes,
2: Yes, exactly. All of the instances of his power... Uh initially you know later on they may have gone back but initially you just have to kind of be paying attention and oh this is what's happening well and that's they, they did it by showing rather than telling that's which one is of the things better.
1: I loved about this show is aside from just his powers like so many instances where they let you connect the dots and draw the lines and they never explain it when he have you know Fisk staring at the white painting and loving it and then they show the you know the flashback where he's staring at yes. the white wall they never point that out they never yeah. have to say that you get it and they know that you get it so they don't talk to you like you're watching gotham you know like,
2: yeah 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 yeah. So you don't get beautiful. the dumb voice over my name is wilson fisk and i'm staring at this wall because it reminds exactly.
1: me exactly i love yeah. that and they do that through the whole show there's so many subtle dots to connect and they never point them out and i love that
2: so i want to go around now uh, to close it out and i want to ask each of you If you had to choose right now between four more seasons of Daredevil or the impending Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, Iron Fist, and Defenders, just based off of what we know right now, what would you go with? And we'll start with Sarah.
1: Oh, that's tough. Um, I mean, honestly... Right now, with the information I have, obviously I'd want to go with more Daredevil because I have a lot more invested in that character. I'm not as familiar with the other ones, really. Um, but I have to say that they've surprised me with how well they handled Daredevil. So there's a lot of room for them to surprise me with the rest of them. And I, I like that they're weaving the stories in and out of each other. So I think I'm, I'm curious. So I'll, I'll go with getting the rest of the series just out of pure curiosity.
2: What about you, Ryan?
0: I definitely want the other series. Um, as much as I... I mean, I, Daredevil was wonderful, but I think the other characters and what they're going to bring as far as stories we haven't seen yet, I'm very curious to see those. Like, you know, having Jessica Jones, who was an active hero and quit, and the whole story is how she deals with not being a hero anymore, and then Cage, who's from the other side of the law and switches over, and then Iron Fist and having... All the martial arts stuff. It's going to be really cool to see all that stuff and then bring it all together. Um, And then I'm very interested in how they're going to tie that into the MCU because they're going to show up in the Avengers movies eventually. I'm assuming. I, I would imagine they have to. I'm assuming Infinity War, they're going to show up. Although I'd love to see Daredevil. We talked about this. But just a quick shot in Age of Ultron, just Daredevil getting the shit kicked
3: out of him by a robot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, laying on yeah. the ground, spitting up blood, trying to yeah. get up he, after getting he his ass kicked. He can
0: barely handle, like, you know, a ha- one-hand ninja. Let's see what he does against the Ultron.
3: <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jay, what about you? Uh, I guess I would go with both. Because uh, I, I love the Daredevil series. Uh, there were so many... Um, uh, plot points that they left out there uh, with Karen and with Owsley that that would be perfect for season two, Um but then again, I, I really do want to see how they handle the other characters. So uh, I'll go right down the middle and say I, I'd, I'd like to have both. As soon as no, uh, you can't, you have to decide. <laughs> no, I refuse. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I decide um, between uh, both. So because uh, uh, the way it ended, I mean, it kind of left it very whoop, very open ended. Um, That they really could uh, have additional uh, seasons of Daredevil and still have them meeting up with the Defenders at a certain point to where they really wouldn't uh, conflict with each other. So um, I think they could do it.
0: Have they they said at all or even hinted that Charlie Cox is going to show up on the other shows? Or do we think they're going to do that?
2: Well, and that's the interesting thing is it's entirely possible that his story will continue in their shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Matt and Foggy are attorneys, so right they, true, yeah. they they've got business in New York outside of Daredevil fighting crime. I mean, they could encounter these other characters. I mean, they could essentially turn this into where each show just adds more characters, right?
1: Okay. And I mean, so Jessica is a, shows up, but.
2: yeah. Because
0: Jessica's a private investigator, that's her job. So that right. ties in so easy, and then he mm-hmm. could defend
2: Cage. Yeah, there's so many easy ways to do it. So, so I, I, if I had to choose, uh, like you guys, I, I'd because I've got so much faith in Marvel at this point. I mean, they they haven't let us down yet. Uh, so I want to see the rest of the shows, and I don't think it's a decision we really have to make because chances are, like I said, they've got plans in place for everything. Uh, Whatever the case may be, we're going to see more of these characters in some form sooner than later. They're not going to let this fire go out. Uh, Thank you guys so much for coming on and talking about Daredevil. Uh, Anybody get any plug-in to do? Jay, I know you do. Sure. As always, go to belligerentmonkey.com.
3: I don't know when this is going to go up, but I've got uh, the first show uh or uh, first festival of the season is Inman Park in a couple of weeks which is uh April 28th ish I think uh that's the uh, all weekend Saturday and Sunday and then I think I've got two or three more uh right after that
2: so uh com. yeah your your festival season's kicking off now so you're going to have some busy weekends
3: yeah i'm uh pretty crazy right now i'm uh knee deep in paintings and prints and uh, magnets trying to get ready on top
2: of uh everything else so it's uh, a little little nuts right now Sarah I'm assuming you're far too busy for any kind of independent work have you got anything you want to put over I got
1: a couple of things first there is a art auction at the goat farm happening sometime in May for uh, to raise money for the uh, Hambage Art Center up in the mountains, it's where I did my residency last year. It's going to be really, really cool. I've got a piece going into that. Haven't made it yet. Don't know what it is. Um, <laughs> but also, free comic book day is coming up. And um, I know a bunch of us at the finest, or G.I. Joe costuming group, are going to be at Odin's um, for that. So come meet some G.I. Joes and Cobras.
2: Free comic book day, which is May 2nd this year. Yeah, I think so. And, uh, if you look up Odin's Cosmic Bookshelf online, you can find out more information about that. They're gonna have a ton of stuff going on there. Lots of, lots of creators will be on hand and of course the finest. And, uh, Ryan, I assume you're far too busy with researching things for the site <laughs> and building a freaking house.
0: Yeah. Although, if anybody you know just wants to call and chat about behavior modification and children with disabilities, <laughs> I'm more than welcome to talk about it. I'll let you know what my research is and my paper. Like, <laughs> throw it up on needless things. I'm sure people would love to read all about it. See, I think you need Absolutely. to uh, start a blog
3: with it, and uh, that way you can get that out there.
0: The insane things that happen to me at work. <laughs>
2: Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much. Uh, I had a good time talking about Daredevil. Great group. And uh, we will reconvene at some point uh, to discuss, I think, the DC television stuff once the current seasons are over because there's a lot to talk about there.
0: Absolutely. All right. Heading out to watch Arrow now.
2: (laughs) Yeah, it's that time. Thanks a lot, you guys. Thank Thank you. Thank you. Ah, uh, that was a good crew. What a fun time. Uh, we could have gone on. Actually, we did go on. There's about another half hour or so of us talking about Game of Thrones and the DC shows. But I figure that's enough for uh, another podcast at a later date. But that's a good crew. We had a lot of fun. I want to do more group discussions like that. I want to do more interviews, obviously. And if you have feedback, please send an email to phantomtroublemaker at gmail.com. Go to Needless Things on Facebook. We have a page there. I'm thinking about starting a group up. Maybe you guys want to interact a little bit more. I would love for you to interact more. Tell me what you want to hear, what we should talk about. If you do a thing, let me know. Send me a message on Facebook as L Phantasmas, that's with a P-H, because Facebook is weird and getting weirder. But if you do something, if you are a musician, if you are an artist, a creator of some kind, you produce things get in touch with me I'd love to have you on the show I I like talking to people I like exposing people to new things that they haven't heard of before I've I've got an interesting episode in the works I don't want to say what it is because it may not happen uh, because I don't I don't know what's up exactly but uh, interesting music compilation that recently came out and if you are following me on Facebook you know what I'm talking about so go follow me there Follow Needless Things there and of course listen to us on iTunes, on Stitcher, and stream it from NeedlessthingsSite dot com. Uh you can find us on Podbean as well. That's my hosting service. I'm trying to put everything over here. I, I sometimes I forget to do that. And I think as a host it's part of my job. But I, I see my track is running out. So really, all that's left to say is I love you guys.